Hello, welcome to our podcast. Join with me again, the great and legendary Chris Jackson. And this episode's a very interesting one. We have transfers and players going, transferring from schools and, and all that stuff. And the effect it has on not only acad- academics, but athletics as well. Chris, what are your thoughts on the transfer portals and the new regulations and all that stuff like around all of it? I love the ability that people can transfer because of what goes on. And I mean, a lot of times coaches, they recruit a kid, then right at signing day, when that kid hits the pen to paper, all of a sudden that coach is gone for another school. And a lot of times you pick a school because of that relationship with the coach. I know there's more factors now with NIL and there's education, but there's so many different things, but that relationship such a big part. So I love it. And I love how players can transfer and put their names in the portal and not lose eligibility. It's a big thing because the way it's trending, it's almost like pro sports with that. If a coach can just leave in the middle of the night, which I've seen a lot of times and not tell anybody about a lot of times, why can't a player? But the one thing is just, there's really no regulations. Unfortunately, you've got regulations, you've got guidelines in pro sports, but college sports where it's still right. College sports is what it's, called we're not calling it pro sports there's still no regulations no guidelines and I think the best way to phrase it is that it's like the wild wild west there's pretty much the NCAA is not enforcing anything so what's the kid in the school going to do if there's no enforcements anyone can do whatever they want and maybe that's not the player's fault that's not coach's fault that's just there's no rules there's no regulations and until there are things enforced what's anybody going to do about this yeah no I agree I think the thing that really sucks nowadays is like Back in the day, you see, like, you would have to sit a season before you could play. Now, if you transfer, you can basically start right away. And I think that now you can transfer pretty much anytime you want, and there's really not as much of a decision or as much thought put into it knowing that you can play. But now I think back in the day when transfers were a rare thing because you'd have to think about it more. So, yeah, you know, I think it's definitely – a tough topic you know it's very I don't know I, I think it's tough because you see that it affects the player's growth you know if, if, if a player's sitting a season then they really have to think about do I want to leave or do I want to stay but if they can play right a, like right when they get the, the, there then it, it's easy you know they can definitely do it and not think about it too much and it's you know, it's just an, an interesting situation. Yeah, the problem with it is a lot of these players aren't finding new homes when they go into the portal. Sometimes you wonder where the advice is coming from or do you have a goal when it comes into Are you just putting yourself in the portal? Or what's the reasoning? Why? But I think you got to look into the reasons too. Just ESPN put this out back in April, on April 24th exactly was – From the years of 2020 and 2021, only 54% of FBS players who entered the transfer portal found enrolled at a new school. So that's that's crazy. That's crazy. That's like half of nearly half of kids that go into the transfer portal are not finding a new home to play football. And that affects everything because they're also going to school too. And they have classes and and they have their academics. And it's like, if you transfer, you're also changing schools and you have to change your classes. And it's like, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of stuff that you're sacrif- that you're affecting. You know, if you leave a school, you're not just changing sports teams. You're changing schools. You have to you know your credits have to transfer over. And it's like, why are all these kids transferring s- that much if they know that they're gonna have to change classes and they know they're gonna have to do all this stuff outside of, off the the f- 
like in the classroom as well. It's just very tough. You know, it's a lot of sacrifice. It's a lot of stuff that you have to think about. It's just very tough. It is because not every school is going to have the same credits. Not everything transferred over a lot of times. I'm not sure what the numbers are, but I would envision it's 60, 70% of things even transfer over credits wise. If you transfer once and what if you transfer twice in a four or five year span? I know a lot of times that second transfer, like what JT Daniels did was after he graduated from Georgia, then he found his third school, right? So it's, but that's a tough thing you've got to deal with. You've got to figure out the off the field stuff. And I know everybody's got NFL dreams, but what's the percentage of people that actually make it to the NFL and make a career in the NFL? The average life expectancy is maybe three or four years at that level. That's if that, that's after that, you're going to want to find something else to heck. Maybe your major wasn't coaching. Maybe you find something athletics with sports management yeah. or something else, but I know you want to put everything into plan A, but if you get hurt, God forbid you get hurt or something else happens. Yeah. A lot of things can go wrong. And like you said in the NFL, right? I think the only way it's worth transferring is if you know that you might have a shot at the pros and you feel like whatever school you attend next is going to help you get to that place, right? But if you're not going to be in the NFL, in the pros, why risk it? Like why risk leaving a school knowing that you have to change all these classes knowing that you might not start, knowing that you're going to have to basically learn under a new coach, you're going to have to learn a new playbook. Like, why do it if you know that you might not make it that to the pros? Like, it's just not worth it, is it? Like, is, is it really something to really do if you're not going to go pro, if you don't feel like there's that you're going to, like, knowing it's going to affect everything else in your life? Like, is, you know, that should be a thought. Yeah, and I think a lot of times, too, I think you need to really think through every single thought of transferring before your name gets into that portal. Because once you're in the transfer portal, you might not find a new home, and that school doesn't have to take you back once you're in the yeah. portal. They don't. Oklahoma technically didn't have to take back Caleb Williams, and they didn't. They got what Dylan Gabriel from Central Florida. Where did Caleb Williams end up going? USC. Maybe it works out for both parties because Caleb yeah. didn't want to be there with a the new coach. But you need to think it through. Is If the culture is that bad – if things just aren't working out, you're not happy, you maybe you've been lied to in the recruiting process, heck yes. I think it's the perfect opportunity. Find a different home. If you have to move down a level, go ahead. If you just want to play, go ahead and find somewhere to play. The, the biggest thing to me, at least, is I think so many times you go to a school, you think you're going to play right away. Well, that's not how it usually works in life. You don't just get a job and you're the boss immediately. Right. That's very rare circumstances where that happens. How is that going to happen where you go to a big 12, Pac-12, SEC, Mountain West school and you're a true freshman and right away you're starting or getting significant playing time. Sure, you might get reps out there, but you can't expect to be that first team guy right away. I love those high expectations for yourself, but you've got to have some patience and develop your game and be ready mentally and physically because that college athletics lifestyle is a whole different beast. Yeah. And now, that poses the question, though. Do we want to go back to the age where you had to sit a season before you could play? Like, the fact that Caleb left to go to USC, should he have to sit? Or, like, not have to sit, but imagine if he had to sit a season. Do you think he still would have followed his coach to USC knowing he couldn't play this in 2022? Especially since I think he has a shot at going to the NFL if he has a good 2022 year like so, i mean we'll i i believe before this 
even if your coach left, you were able to transfer and not lose eligibility and not lose a year. So Caleb would have been okay, but yeah. So if there's those guardrails in place, maybe that impacts the decision because do you really want to lose out on a year now? Maybe with his talent, that doesn't matter. People are going to, everyone knows who Caleb Williams is now, right? For that draft class, he's going to be a top five pick. I imagine if he's not, I'd like to meet who else is ahead of him, especially at a quarterback spot. But it's going to be a tough decision to make if those guardrails aren't in place. I don't think they should be in place, at least for your first transfer. Yeah. I think that's sometimes maybe it's just not it. The coaching staff yeah. just tells you one thing. I know a lot of times they tell you one thing, you get there. It's a whole different experience or the position coach that recruited you left at signing day or after a year they leave. A lot of different circumstances, but yeah. It's it's there's so many things you got to think about, and I don't know if transferring is always the solution at the end of the day. I think anyone in college, at one point in your mind, whether you're an athlete or not, it just kind of comes in your head. God, it's just not working out right now. Maybe I need to transfer. I think everyone's gone through that at one point, but you stick through it, right? It, I'm glad I never did because I think it just makes you tougher. I think a lot of times you just build those relationships that last forever. That's not the same people that transfer aren't making a good choice for them. You got to do what's in the best interest of yourself. But a lot of times, at least sometimes I don't think yeah. the whole entire thought process and the whole entire process pros and cons is being thought out before you do that. You know, I think there probably has to be a cap on transfers as well. Like I don't think a player should be allowed to transfer more than once or twice. Cause after that, it gets to a point where you're really just messing everything up. You're going to a third school, you know, if you haven't graduated yet, you're, you know, you, you're scrambling on that. You know, you're learning from another coach, another system. It's just like after that, I think it becomes a burden. And I do think just for the players, you know, in the purposes of their development as players and people, I think they should have a cap at one or two, especially since they don't have to sit. I think that they should definitely have a cap because if they don't have to sit and they can play right away, I think it allows them to experience a second school quicker. And then they can assess their situation and say, I, if I want to stay or, or go, but I do think there really needs to be a cap because the fact that the NCAA is not regulating a whole lot, it affects everything, right? It means a player can go as many times as they want. And I think it affects it because then it makes it harder to really know who the talent is in recruit, knowing that guys are going to leave and you don't, don't know who's going to stay or come in the following year, you know? So I think there definitely needs to be more of a regulation in terms of caps on, on amount of transfers you're allowed in a career. Now there's supposed to be that rule in place to where you're allowed a one-time transfer without penalty, without losing a year of eligibility. But again, what did I say at the start of this whole yeah, podcast? Are there rules? I don't think there are. And until there's rules, we're going to all operate by the assumption there are no rules. The NCAA has shown that time and again, it doesn't matter. And even maybe that second time you try to transfer. Now it's different. Of course, if you're going to be a graduate transfer and that's your second transfer at that point, that rule is not in effect. You've got that degree. You've got all that stuff in place. Now you're maybe going somewhere else for your master's program, but also to get another year and maybe yeah. chase those NFL dreams that you've got, like what JT Daniels has done. But again, it's just, it's, there's not going to be rules in place that I don't, I don't see anything in the future, but even if there are, again, what if somebody transferred for a second time as an undergraduate student athlete and the NCAA says, no, well, what if they bring in a lawyer? I know we started with Tate Martell before there was even Tate Martell, Justin Fields, all these guys, before there was even, you can get one year of eligibility, that transfer, I should say, for free. 
they brought in lawyers and then boom, what happens? Justin Fields is eligible at Georgia. Tate Martell's eligible at Miami. I know Martell ended up at UNLV at the end, doing different stuff now, and Justin Fields is in the NFL, but what if what somebody just brings a lawyer and then what? Tell, man. And then, yeah, right. There's so many things that happened with him through all so these different crazy. circumstances. And then somebody could just hire a lawyer. And then what, what does the judge say? What happens in the law, I guess, in the court process, what happens there? And what if then all of a sudden, if one person's allowed to transfer for a second time as an undergraduate, that's going to spill the beans and anyone else can do that too. How do you recruit a player now knowing that the transfer portal is like an unregulated thing? Like you, you, like you recruit a kid and then like he can transfer anytime he wants and players can just transfer in and out. Like it just makes your job as a coach that much more difficult knowing you have to just recruit differently or not even differently, but like pray to God that your players stay and that you're, you know, it's hard to just, it's, it's hard as a coach. You see all these guys leave. It's like, I imagine as a coach in, in the 2020s, seeing your players come in and out and, and leave it's like what the hell am i doing wrong you know it just m- makes it harder like i don't know yeah i know there is a lot that of prog- there was a lot of programs that were concerned about the amount of transfers they lost but you've got to think to how many schools lost a lot of transfers just go through the numbers even if you've got a few more than other schools i wouldn't freak out about that it's right now of course it's the early part as things slow down and more of these numbers come out about finding homes maybe Eventually, a middle ground is going to have to be found. When is it found? I don't know. It might be found in the next year. Do I think no. it will? I, I highly doubt that. You've just got to figure that stuff out. And if you're a college coach, you bring up a good point. Something I've heard is you got to recruit them when they're on your campus, too. It's a nonstop recruiting battle to keep them. Then you're in the now you've got staffers dedicated to recruiting the transfer portal and scouring through the transfer portal all day seeing who's available, do they fit us, let's reach out now that they're in the portal. There's so many different things. And how do you think the University of Pittsburgh felt felt when Jordan Addison, their top receiver, top prospect, left Pitt and then went to USC? There was that rumor for a few days that he was going to leave, then there was a rumor maybe USC. That's an, Obviously, that played out the way it was reported and it's supposed to go. How do you think Pitt felt, though, especially that coming out, what, late springtime, their top guy all of a sudden is going to USC – and the report from ESPN was Pitt wasn't too happy. They thought that he was tampered with, all these different things. And even if someone's tampered with, and I know you can't legally contact them until their name's in the portal, but who's enforcing tampering too? Yeah. At this point, can I blame college coaches for tampering? No, I cannot because there's no rules in place until the NCAA shows anything and gets somebody in trouble. It's just – it's the wild, wild west and nothing's going to change. I hate to say it, but I think Hove has done a huge number on transfers because if a player can't do an official, right, it makes it so hard for them to actually see the campus like they really would like. Like they can't meet with a coach and go through step-by-step step everything, the program's, you know, dream and like what the coach wants out of the players and all that. It's hard to like really judge a program on an unofficial because it's like – you're seeing the school, yeah, but you're not really taking that in-depth look on the program or the school itself if you're doing an official. So that's why transfers are a big thing because a player gets to a school and they're like, oh, this isn't w- what I thought. Well, yeah, you didn't take an official. So it's like, you know, I think the whole COVID thing and not being able to schedule an official is definitely a reason why we're seeing a lot of transfers come in, a lot of transfers now. Because I think with COVID and not like, and like I said, like the, it's just, it's so hard to know if you fit into a team or a school without really getting that guided experience and that like 
step by step, like getting to meet the team and seeing the facility and meeting with the coaches and all that stuff. So it definitely may, it definitely is a huge factor in that, I think. And I think you got to be patient with the process too. I know a lot of times there's pressure to commit right away, but do you have to, if you have so many different offers, find the right place for you to visit somewhere. I don't want you to commit somewhere. Then you realize that's not the right decision. Just fed yeah. through the process. If it's meant to be, it's meant to be. That sounds so cliche with relationships, career, friends, family, everything else. But as you get older, you're going to learn those things you're told, those things are pretty damn true. Be yeah. patient with that. Don't get pressured. Take those official visits. Enjoy that. And biggest thought you should have, do I see myself living here for the next three, four or five years? Yep. Do you see yourself on weekends in the off season, hanging out there, going to those restaurants, hanging out with friends? Does it seem like a cool place I can just spend? Does it seem like a place where I can accomplish my dreams, get my degree and maybe accomplish those dreams too? Yeah. No, it's got to be so much. Don't feel the pressure of, I know there's so much pressure put on. Well, there's only there's so many spots. Okay. Well, well I need no, to come I out. I don't want to lose that scholarship, but be yeah. patient with it. And now that there's set, now that the NCAA is not enforcing that scholarship limit, at least for this year, because COVID has portals changed so many different scholarship numbers. Be patient with it. It's yeah. your decision. It's not anybody else's. Heck, if Miami's right, but you don't know it, but you want to see other schools, go ahead. But then maybe Miami to, turned out to be the right school. Same with Cal, Cal Poly, anywhere. It's your process. Don't feel pressured by the outside with social media or because I know there's a lot of pressures with that too. Everybody talks about social media pressures. Oh, great. Their life on Instagram looks great. Well, everybody's life on Instagram looks great. The graphic looks great, but figure out where is good for you for four to five years. Yeah. And like you said about pressure, like if you see all these players say like, oh yeah, I got an offer from Alabama and Florida and all these schools and then they have their family and and their pal say yeah go to Alabama or whatever blah 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 and they pressure them to pick a school and then they pick that school and it's like I don't you know it's not a good school for them and then and then they transferred it makes sense like nowadays there's so much pressure put on these kids to pick the school that their friends and like all them want to that them to go to because that they're a fan of that school it's like well it should be the school that the player sees themselves at not the school that their family and friends want to root for so it's like why are you putting these pressure the pressure on the kids to pick a school when it should be their decision only where do they see themselves is the coaching staff right for them is a school a good place for them like i think like like you said social media is a big part of that now that it's grown there's definitely a lot more transfers because it's a big thing now and everyone's life especially if they're a five star is put under a microscope and they're put in the situation where they can be seen no matter what they do. So it's very hard to be them sometimes. And I do think you have to be patient, but I do think that the pressure needs to be pulled back a bit so that the players can make a decision based on what they actually want in, in their mind, you know? And who's going to be happier when they come home for winter break? Yeah, absolutely. Someone that's actually getting their opportunities at school and they're enjoying that setting, they're enjoying their classes, their friends, and they're actually maybe getting fun reps and it's a good culture. It's a place you really want to, that just fit you. You're going to be happier than somebody that's at Alabama. And I love Alabama. I love Nick State. And I know why you want to go there, but a fourth stringer that looks like they're never going to play. Yeah, Who's going to no, be happier coming back? Maybe that is what you want, but if you – there's nothing like playing. There's nothing like getting that experience. And I think a lot of times we need to take advice, but don't let that force your decision. 
I know I, I hate to say this. Most parents are phenomenal, but I know we've seen it where parents yeah. run the kids recruiting process and that sucks to see. That's horrible. Give them yeah. all the advice. Give the kid all the advice in the world. That is for you're the parent. I'm not going to tell you how to parent, but don't base your decision because your parents want you to go there. See. Make the decision because you want to go there. Take their advice. They've been around the block, right? There's a reason why they're your parents. They've had a lot of different experience, but just take the advice and then weigh all your options and then make the decision where you know you're going to be happy. Don't worry about the damn graphic because by the time you're 35, nobody's going to care about that graphic you put on Twitter when you were 17 years old. At that point, you're going to be like, oh, that was a cool experience, but it was just a graphic on Twitter. See, I don't care how old you are. I don't care if you're 16 or 17 or whatever. I don't care how old you are. If you are in the, if you are the one being like picked and recruited, you need to run your own show, right? You cannot have your mom or your dad do it. You need to be the one to run it because mom and dad are not going to a school. You are, you're the one playing for the team. You're the one being coach. You're the one that's hoping to play. So you need to run your own show and you need to just, it's very hard. Like, like you were saying, right. You need to like really sit back and realize that you are in charge of you. And I think that transfers a lot of these kids, like the transfer portal is so big now because a lot of these kids pick schools, not where they actually want to go, but where they're pressured and they end up like, like we said, leaving after a year or two. Right. And then they transfer and then they go to a different school and then they're happier there, hopefully. And then it works out. But, you know, a lot of the times it takes a school or more to fix, to like understand where you really belong so yep. and it's i think the one thing that just came to my mind i forgot how many years ago it was kid announced his decision his commitment on live tv and his mom walked off the stage when he committed because he yeah. did not go where she wanted that just oh, that's yeah. got to break your heart like maybe that's changed but i think at the end of the day once your parents see you playing or practicing in that jersey they see you get that degree it's not going to matter where you went They'll, they'll be proud of you no matter what the heck you did. So just worry about your decision and where you ultimately want to go. Don't feel the pressures of, oh, my God, I have to play at a Power 5 school. Oh, I have to play in the SEC. Oh, my goodness, I got to go to this big-time school. No, you don't. Yeah. Heck, Tom Brady was a six-rounder worked out, right? It was – With the Michigan. With the Michigan, but he was – but, he, yeah, he wasn't playing a whole lot there. Derek Carr went to Fresno State, and Fresno State's a great Mountain West program. But they're not putting the same sentence as Alabama, LSU, and that's worked out pretty well. I would say there's so many different examples of that stuff, so don't worry about that. Just- yeah, no, I do think that. Like, I think like going back to Brady, right? Like, he ended up leaving California, right? It was a tough choice, but it was the best fit, and he ended up starting and look where he is now. He's the greatest quarterback ever. So I think sometimes the decision is sometimes the most unconventional one but you have to take a chance every now and then you have to like really you know it's about taking a risk every now and then in life and if you take a risk and you pick the school that might not seem like a normal choice but then it ends up being the best one because it's like well i chose this school and let's see what happens and then it ends up being the best choice even though you didn't think it would be so you know you don't know yeah test yourself yeah test yourself push yourself to the limits don't take the easy road with it. It's not going to be easy because if you're going to take the easy road now when you're 40 and it's getting tough at a job, coaching, whatever it is, you're not going to have that experience to lean back on and, and toughen out by that, by those days in college athletics where 
you've got a 16 hour day and it sucks getting up at 5.30 a.m. to do lifts and then film and class lifts and training and practice and study hall and everything else. Just understand it's not going to be easy, but keep that vision in your mind of what's going to happen to you. It's, yeah. I know it sounds a lot easier than it actually is when you go through those days. But again, I think like we've said and harped on, it's your choice. It's nobody else's. It's your choice of where you're going to go to college. I mean, yeah, like you've seen like a lot of these schools that you see that they got guys that, have, that are like six years at like their third school, right? And then they like just, I think this year there was a guy in Arizona. He went and I think he started off at George Mason and then he went to Georgia and then he was at Arizona and it was like he was, he just bounced around and see the double a basketball and he found a, a fit at his last school in his last year of eligibility out of all places. It was the farthest away from where he's from his home. So it's like crazy out worked out, but it worked out for him in the end. So, you know, you just, at that point, it's crazy how life works out, but you just never know. Now, how much do you think NIL should impact your college choice? How much of a factor should that play in it? I think nowadays, unfortunately, it's a lot because these kids need if, – if it's a money thing, obviously money talks, as we said in the last <laughs> podcast. Like, if you're being offered a lot of money to play at a certain school, you absolutely should let that influence you because it's like, hey, you earned it, right? You're being given that opportunity to get that contract deal. You should take it, you know? You're a good enough athlete to do it. Why not? Yeah, I, I think it should factor into I don't think it should be the biggest determinant. I think it should be in there, though, because also factor in where it's going to be the bus. Somewhere else might offer you a little bit less money with their collectives, all that other NIL stuff. Yeah. Even if it's a little bit less, but you think this is a place that's going to develop you more, and maybe it develops you into the right NFL player, and you can make more money in the NFL someday. Well, your long-term earnings will be better. Same with maybe a better degree, whatever it is. But I still think NIL should play an impact in it. Heck, if I was in that process, I know it would for me, especially when you're 17, 18 years old. How could that not impact anybody? It impacts you when you're 30, 40, 50, 60 years old. But don't make that the end-all, be-all. Make sure you put in the education part, your developments, the culture, and everything else. But I'd say And the money will come. I'd say aren't – NIL is more of like a top player thing though. Like, like do, do all athletes get it or is it just like the top athletes on like each sport or like, how does that go? Now it depends on your following. I know you'll see other sports too outside of football. They might not be the big sport, but they've got such a big TikTok presence. Their Instagram yeah. famous. They'll get NIL money. Some schools in Miami has got a big booster that's forking out money to a lot of different players on the football team. Almost the entire roster will get a cut. For the most part, though, the big money is going to go to the big recruits. Like if you are Jaden Rashada out of Pittsburgh, I don't blame the school for whatever the reports were, but I don't blame the school for wanting to pay him. You should want that kid at your school, and he should have every right. I know he did not make the decision based on money. I know that for a fact, so I'm going to dispute all that. Of He chose it solely for the money to go to Miami, but he's earned that anyway. So you've, you've earned that money to go somewhere. Just make it, make it a part of your – decision process but don't make it the whole reason why you go there that's the only advice oh, I, would really yeah. have for I agree with that i definitely agree with that i do think for sure that you should not 
I definitely agree that you shouldn't make it your sole decision thing. But I do think that if you are good enough to get it con an NIL deal, you should definitely factor that in to a good extent only because if you're getting a certain deal from a certain school, that means that they view you in a certain way to where they want to invest in you. So I think that it's, it's like in the NFL, right? If a team is willing to pay you a certain amount of money in a contract, they're willing to invest in you. So if a school says, hey, we'll give you this amount in an NIL, it means that they're saying you're, you are a good enough player to where we, we want to give you that money in a, in a deal because we want you here. So I think that NIL deals speak for themselves when they tell an athlete how that university like is into that player. You know, I feel like it speaks – it talks on its own essentially is, is what I'm trying to say. Like an yeah, NIL deal – yeah. Yeah, that's, I think that's the perfect way to sum it up is money talks, right? And a lot of times in jobs, career-wise, it's yeah. the what, what they're going to offer you, the raise they're going to offer you is going to speak volumes about how they value you. That's just – that's the way it is. You can like it, you can like it or not, but that's the way it is. And school's going to offer a lot of money that probably does show that they value you, that that has to, right? They wouldn't be offering a lot of money if they don't see a lot of potential in you. They don't see that you can be a game-changer at their school for their program and that you've got a great future in not only college football, college athletics, baseball, basketball, softball, whatever it is, but in the pros and beyond. Yeah. I think the good thing about like the NILs and recruiting nowadays, I think that it, if these athletes really want to go pro, it sets them up good for the pros in the sense where they learn, like when they get to the pros and they handle media and they handle like con, you know, contract negotiate negotiations and stuff like that. Right. I think that going to a school nowadays, but being able to get an, an, an NIL is essentially like getting a contract negotiation because you have to, because you're kind of like essentially being shipped around like a free agent. I guess that's the way to, to put it. So I think a recruit if you're a top recruit, free agent, the MLB's players, you're being, you know, talked about to these schools, right? And I think the NILs are ways of saying, this is your contract offer, here you go. So I think that it sets them up to be pros because they already know how to handle these situations and in life too, because when they have job offers and stuff, they already know how to handle this stuff. So I do think that recruiting nowadays is better in the way it sets you up but I do think there needs to be more regulations on recruiting and transfers because it definitely can, can affect the player's development and, th and, and thought process when picking a school, but it's pros and cons, you know, that it, it's a good and a bad side. It's, it's like Jekyll and Hyde essentially. Definitely. Yes, it is. And I know a lot of college coaches now are doing a great job of installing financial literacy courses just for their student athletes where they have a meeting, maybe that's once a week, once a month where they talk about, financial literacy, how to invest your money, how to save your money, how to balance your money. I think every program should have that. I think as many high school coaches should just discuss that with their players, even if it's just for one hour during the season, just go through a PowerPoint, bring in a professional accountant, financial guru, whoever it is, and just talk about how to invest your money, how to save your money, how to balance that. So you don't just lose all your money right away, but how you know how to spend it properly and I think the yeah. same should go maybe someday in high school, it's required to take just a one or two credit, whatever it is, financial literacy course to where at a younger age, though, 
you're learning this stuff because of the way money is being so tied into everything, high school athletics, college athletics, professional athletics, money's coming in bigger and quicker than ever before. So let's teach these next generations how to handle their money, how to invest and how to do everything else in a smart and efficient way with cash. You know what I think about, about that? I think that what they should do, they should give any athlete who has an NIL deal, a financial advisor. That's what I think they should do. They should provide, or not even that. They should provide like every, I think, I believe every school that had, obviously every D1 school has like an academic set, an academic place for each athlete. I think in that center, they need to provide an advisor, a financial advisor that can help the players who have NILs with their cash, because it's important that they know that they need to invest it or that they need to save it so that they don't have a contract, an NIL and blow through all their money and all that. Because I think that with an NIL and all that stuff, it's very important to just get carried away with it. And I think that a financial advisor is key because I think a lot of NBA athletes or a lot of pro athletes have a financial advisor because they're getting all this contract money and endorsement stuff that they need to know what to do with it and not go through it too fast. So I think a financial advisor is very key if they're going to do these NILs and keep doing them in the future. I think that every university needs to have a financial advisor. That is huge. And with the more money that's going to come in in terms of TV deals and TV rates, especially the SEC with Texas, Oklahoma going, and I know their money is big, but now with those schools going and the deal is going to get larger, USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten, a lot of these schools can hire a financial advisor full-time. I know you want to put money into different things. You'll have those opportunities too, but also have a financial advisor. I also think that shows a great commitment to student athletes because kids are a lot smarter than you think. They'll call BS when they see it. Maybe in some ways that's also the reason why they transfer more too is because they can, they can see that BS when, when they see it too, right? That just a lot of it could be that as well, but also put that a financial advisor and to make them dedicated, especially with taxes. There's so much you got to learn about taxes, especially if you're a California student athlete. Oh, if you go to taxes, California, you're screwed with yeah. that. You have so many yeah. state taxes and all that stuff. You got to learn how to deal with that for sure especially if you go to a big school like UCLA or USC, especially as a California kid. I know like if you go to, if you live in California, it's already expensive. So if you go to a California school and you're being offered and you need to, cause the rent costs are not cheap here in California. So like if you go to a California school, you should definitely learn how to deal with taxes because that's going to be that that's a big part of your lifestyle when you live here. Yeah. It's just about the biggest thing out here is the taxes and the money and property taxes, how much housing costs, apartments, gas, everything else. Learn how to balance that, create a sheet of how you balance that. I know a financial advisor go through that, a graph of what percentage should go into this, percentage to this, percentage to this, and we'll do it based on your earnings and the NIL money you make and everything else and how much you can spend on going out a trip, whatever it is for a week. But understand that and learn the tax side of it too, because not all the money you earn is going to be yours in your pocket. There's going to be certain percentage that's going to be taxed and taken by the government. So understand that too. And how much of that check you get is actually going into your bank and the rest goes into essentials on your everyday life. Well, it's capitalism. Well, anyway, great podcast today, everyone. That was a great show. Stay tuned on next week's show. We have a good one. So don't, don't go anywhere. And thank you for the show.